Welcome to Loudmouth Radio Network. We want to thank all our listeners for tuning in. This is a live broadcast feed via Blog Talk Radio slash Loudmouth Radio. For all our listeners online, feel free to chat with us online on loudmouthradio.com. We'd like to thank you tonight for actually attending our live broadcast of The Bear Truth with Jazzy Jones. And tonight we have a fantastic show. So we want to thank each and all of our listeners for tuning in. This extra show is also sponsored by AtlantaCarFinders.com, where we want to work to help you find the next vehicle of your choice. Be sure to contact us for your next vehicle, 706-363-3895, AtlantaCarFinders.com. And now for your host, Ms. Jazzy Jones. Good evening, everyone. This is Jazzy. I'm over here laughing because, as you know, I always talk about what my producer does. Um, and she just hit me because I was breathing. Every time I do this show, I'm always a, a big bowl of nerves, just so you know. I've done public speaking, you know, ministry, outreach, and the whole nine, and talk classes all over. However, I'm always nervous, so there you go. But nevertheless, um, if you heard me breathing, it was not some really, you know, porno kind of thing. It was just me taking deep cleansing breaths. So nevertheless... Thank you, everyone, for joining me as you do every Tuesday. Just to let you know, I am, again, excited, astound, and all of those other words that, you know, I'll come up with a new word every every week, and I ask that somebody would, you know, text and call and tell me a new word of the week. But anywho, tonight's topic is just one that I am so excited to have um, brought to me by one of our guests tonight, Quentin, um, came to me a few weeks back and said, Jazzy, I have a great topic for your show. And it's called In the Blink of an Eye, and it's how people deal with tragedies in their lives and their relationships. So we want to talk about tonight different um, tragedies that have happened to some of our guests, how they dealt with them personally in their own self-relationship, and how they dealt with them and or are dealing still with those things currently. Um, So we're going to, as I say all the time, we're going to dive right into some of those things and, and how everybody is coping and handling and actually how they're living because Everybody's still functioning, everybody's still going day to day, and they're doing well. And they're going to be honest about how well they're doing. And if they're not doing well in some areas, we're going to find that out. We're going to have some guests call in that are some um, a few of our professionals that may or may not have um, some input on that. So stay tuned. I am going to be playing a few clips from one of my absolute favorite couples in life. And that is going to be a story about Edie and Thea. And they have actually a documentary that I'm going to be playing from. And, you know, as usual, we'll be posting those things as as we go along on Facebook and Twitter and various um, avenues that the producer will pop up and, and just let you know. But Edie and Thea have a documentary called A Very Long Engagement. And we're actually going to start out the show with clips and excerpts from that documentary. And the um, the link is actually on YouTube. You can watch the full documentary on Netflix, I believe it is. And it's just going to kind of show you how 
40 years of dating, or as my mother used to say, 40 years of courting and wanting to be together in a same-gender-loving. We have several different guests that are um, same-gender-loving, straight, if that really matters, but I'm just giving you a little bit of heads up. But this particular couple is same-gender-loving, and they fell in love a long time ago when it was not so cool to be in love publicly. So their long-term engagement ended up being a marriage in Canada. For those of you that have not seen it, I'm getting ready to bust up the whole story. But it's still worth watching. It's still worth uh, living their experience through their experience and watching it and hearing it. But for you on radio, I'm going to play it. It's going to walk through their um, initial meeting and into their tragedies and how they handle it. And, And, you know, I'm using the word tragedy just so we can identify with maybe, let's say, pain or painful experiences. But it's not always a tragedy. It depends on how you look at it, and it depends on how you live through it and with it. So nevertheless, I am going to be playing um, a few tidbits of their story. So I want you to sit back. I want you to relax. And, you know, we always may have some technical difficulties here and there because we're dealing with uh, computers and phones and all of those other things. But if you hear a, a blurb here and there, just don't even worry about it. Just, you know, relax because it's okay. So in just a few minutes, I'm going to find this for you so we can start the show out. And again, you know, I am being messaged throughout the show, so if you hear those little blinks, I can't turn it down because I'm also allowing you to hear some video. Okay, so hang in there, and I'm going to put this on for you. Give me just a second. Not two minutes, a second. Hang on a minute. Two, three, four. Okay, here we go. When was it about 1962? I suddenly couldn't take it anymore, and I called an old friend of mine, a very good friend, and I said, if you know where the lesbians go, please take me. Okay. So she took me to the Portofino for dinner. The lesbians used to go there on Friday night, and somebody brought Thea over and introduced her, and we ended up dancing. And we immediately just fit. Our bodies fit. And we danced. The whole night through, as the song goes, such that at the end of it, Edie had danced a hole through the bottom of her stocking. And that was the beginning of it. Now, that was not really the beginning. That it took another two years to be the beginning. You're not like, you're not old. <laughs> I'm old. Every other night, if not every evening, I just like to look at the way she sits. 
and the way she crosses her legs, and I just like the look of it. And last night we went to the theater, and I loved how she looked, and she was just beautiful. And that feeling has been the same all the way through. So we made a party. Whenever we met at a party, we danced together. Uh, people were always curious because she was always with somebody. And I wasn't, but at least I had to have a date or something. And, uh, and we were always dancing with our coats on, everybody ready to leave, and we had to dance together first. I always loved to dance, and lesbians can't lead. In the days of disco, that matter, there were steps and line dances. All kinds of stuff that you had to do. Everything in life really depends on someone being able to lead. <laughs> we went to a um, brunch, and they were serving. Now, guys, I just want to kind of explain to you a little bit about this, and I'm going to play another uh, clip in just a few minutes. But Edie and Thea, um, beautiful, absolutely beautiful couple, met and just were so excited about being together, and they have a long story, so I won't give you all of it, but I do want to give you bits and pieces. But they met, and they had this absolutely wonderful, loving relationship. These two were very professional women, and they traveled extensively. Uh, matter of fact, one of the clips that I'm going to play for you is when they had gone over, and Thea is telling about how much she cared about Edie, and they both expressed you know, just how much they love each other and how they were just living life, as we all do, day-to-day, -day, not thinking about anything that could, should, or would go wrong because they were in love and they were happy. So these two just, oh, my goodness, they are so amazing to see. The uh, I've watched this documentary so many times that I cry just every single time as if I'm watching it the first time. So when you get an opportunity, you definitely want to look at this. And, again, I'll post this for you in just a few minutes. But that was just a little bit of them telling, you know, just how much they adore one another and how much they they care about each other. And so I'm getting ready to play just another clip. And it's about it's about three three clips that I want to play for you. So I'll go into this one right now. Oh, yeah. When you made me get up at 3 o'clock in the morning, so I would be the first person in the square. I, okay. I wanted the place empty, and just Edie and me. And damn it, wouldn't you believe it? There was a guy cleaning there. One guy. This guy goes and approaches Edie, and I pushed him away. And he yells, If you love her, kiss her. If you love her, keys her. If you love her, keys her. If you love her, her. They were actually over in Venice when um, that took place, and she had asked, Thea had asked um, Edie to come out into the square, and she was expressing her love. And again, this is about a couple who loves each other and how they. You know, they travel and they're living life, and they're living life actually to the fullest, to the fullest of what we know relationships to be. You know, you plan things, you do things together, you make a life. And so that's really where they were. And then 
uh, some things took place, and this is where their story goes into tonight's topic about um, in the blink of an eye how things happen so quickly, how they happen literally. You close your eye, you open your eye, and it's a change. So this is, you know, right after they, you know, um, travel, and it's it's a lot more to it, but but for our show, you know, after they're doing so many things, we're, we're going right into when the tragedy hits. So hang on just one second. You guys are the greatest because you're always hanging on seconds upon seconds for me. And I have some great guests for the show tonight. I'm so excited about it. So that I'm going to bring in some live guests in just just a few after we, we hear some of these uh, finalizations. Hold on, let me find it. Computers are great things, but they can be a beast, too. Hold on. Here we go. They just found out that she had MS. And I can now see several patients in a day and work about four days a week. And what I have is a type of MS which is called chronic progressive. And that just is exactly what it was. It was it uh, continued from age 45 on. Now look at this picture. Now I'm I'm standing there with my right hand in my pocket, right? Very casually, right? If I didn't have that left hand holding onto that piece of furniture with a great deal of tension, it would be all over. And then two canes became too wobbly. And then went to two Canadian crutches. The idea of going to a wheelchair, that's something that got to me. After a couple of years, when my arms started to go, and you need arms to push a manual wheelchair, and it, I was hanging on to that, again, way beyond the time that I should have. As a result of my putting it off too long, that when I get it, it's hallelujah time, because now all of a sudden, with this motorized wheelchair, I can go all kinds of places. I can do all sorts of things. If you came into this party, and you didn't know me at all, and I was sitting there in that wheelchair, what would you do? Any time was great, you'd do it. I said, I'm Whatever you say, whatever you say, that I'll do. 
So, we are listening to Edie and Thea, um, just excerpts of a very long engagement, and we're talking about, again, tonight, in the blink of an eye, how to deal with tragedy in life and relationship. And, you know, they found out that she had a very progressive um, case of MS, and it just totally went in and began to do what MS does, and that's just constrict your muscles, and, and it doesn't allow you to have as much mobility as you would like to. And um, just a lot, a lot, a lot of, oh, my God, where did this come from? You know, they were very active. They did a lot of things together. Um, but now here is this MS. And how how do you deal with that? How do you face those things that, you you know, you didn't plan for it? Nobody really plans for the tragedy in life. We go, we love each other, everything's great. And when we say for better or worse, when we're married or if we're saying we're committed in relationships, if we're with someone, um, what we're saying usually is, you know, if we have a, a couple of things happen here or there that, you know, are not so big, you know, we, we have a few money issues, well, baby, I got you, and until that happens, and then we're like, I don't know if I got you because I don't know if I have me. And, you know, things start hitting us financially. But a lot of us never deal with the health side of you know, tragedy or the health side of, wow, you have cancer, you have MS, you have AIDS, you have, you know, blindness, you, you you went deaf or whatever the scenario is, we don't oftentimes look at that until we're not prepared for it. And so the show is really about what do you do when it happens? What do you do? What do you say? How do you feel? And so they're really kind of going, going to go in on some of those things that we're also going to talk to our live guest about is how they actually coped with those things. So I'm going to play just a few more, and then we're going to actually go on into our live guests. Thank you so much, guys, for being with me. Hang in there. Number one, I have the love of my life. And it's, I have the love of my life. That's number one. You know, that I'm able to afford a huge amount of assistance. I have no pain. And I have no cognitive deficits. Put that all together. If you don't make a life with all of those things going for you, um, I would say that uh, um, there's something really very wrong. I don't know if you've noticed on our refrigerator is a big sign that says "Don't postpone joy." Okay, so that's also part of it. Okay, keep. Keep joy as long as you can, okay? And, and indeed, if you have to solve problems, if, it, if that is about problem solving, then you do that. The big thing that I, I always have felt awful about, still do, we would be traveling, we would be doing stuff, you know, and uh, and I've got you stuck, and I feel that way, and I feel it very strongly, and I'm very often sad about it. So I see Edie struggle, and, uh, and I get terribly what we call self-referential about it. So it's my fault. Well, the fact of it is, 
it is my fault. I'm the one that got paralyzed. You know, so it is my fault. And I mean, I'm, that's extremely primitive, I understand, but it feels that way. And then it makes me sad. And, and angry. And angry. And then ultimately annoyed and angry, and, uh, and that can happen. Yeah. And does happen. New York was indeed going to be domestic partnerships and would like us to be part of the first day's thing. And she did fine. And came the weekend before. Uh, she said something about it. I said, Theo, we're going to the domestic partner. We're going to go get domestic, be domestic partners Monday. She might have a full schedule of patients. And I remember, I said, I've been waiting for 27 and a half years. And and you have patience, you know. And you know, I I rarely I rarely stood up in circumstances like that. I would back off of my patience, and, you know. I, mean, I I was adamant, you know, now or never. <laughs> Now, in this part of the show, they're actually going to grow and become domestic partners, um, and which was, at that time, all that they could do was become domestic partners. They, it wasn't a legalization of marriage anywhere at the moment. So she's talking about how, you know, she stood up and said, okay, no, you can't go see your patients. And you can't do this and you can't do this. We're going to go become domestic partners. So they went and did that. So here, listen in. Honestly, if we have to cut some things, I don't know. Don't give up sex, okay? If you need an aide to come in and place one of you on top of the other, do not give up sex. And and we took it. Did y'all hear that? Don't give up sex. So we reinvested reinvested sexuality. Yeah, we don't actually do that, but as, you know, my condition got worse, we had to make adjustments sexually, and uh, some of them become rather creative, but you've got to keep that alive. Okay, so you guys have been listening to Edie and Thea. I'm actually going to have our producers post this um, YouTube part of the documentary. It's not actually all of it, but it's part of the documentary, and it's just fabulous. So when you get an opportunity, please, please, super please, go and and look at their story because it is just it's awesome. I won't tell you the ending because I don't want to I don't want to spoil it for everybody. But what they were basically saying is what we're going to talk about tonight. And I actually have Michelle Alexander who's going to come on in a few minutes, and we're going to talk to her about her life story and just you know where where she is, where she's been, and, and all those kind of things. But, no, it's okay, producer, she can dial, she can dial. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, she's going to come on in a minute. But basically, Edith and Thea's story is about our show. It's telling us when you have these unexpected things happen, and, guys, we all have unexpected things happen, even if it's on a very small level. You know, we're driving, everything's cool, we hit a pothole, and then, bam, out of nowhere, we um, we get a flat tire or, you know, we get in a car wreck or, 
you know, the storm comes, the hailstorm that we just had, it busts windows. So we have tragedies that maybe are not so drastic that we have to deal with. If you can't even deal with those individually, and when I say in relationships, first and foremost, let me just say you have to first be in a relationship with yourself. So it's not just about a relationship with another person. You have to be able to deal with things in a calming state and in a state of resolution for you. I've had to learn these things. I've had to, you know, try to figure these things out. Sometimes I get it perfectly. Other times I have to go back to the drawing board and go, okay, well, let me remember the tools. Let me remember all of the antidotes that sometimes I forget. So first and foremost, it's in a relationship with yourself. But if you happen to be in a relationship with anybody else, which we all are, um, you know, whether it's your children, your mate, your significant other, your partner, your wife, husband, auntie, cousin, and I could go on and on and on because we're in relationship with the postman, with the hairstylist, people at work. So you have relationships. So when you're facing a tragedy, guys, you're going to be in a relationship with someone. How do you deal with it? How do you function? How do you bring yourself back Sometimes not to the same normalcy, but how do you make new normal? How How is that new normal for you working? And, you know, if it's not working, what are some of the tools? Well, Edie and Thea told us tonight that, one, love each other from the get-go. They were friends. They got to know each other. They traveled. They did remarkable things together. Most of us get so busy, we get so caught up that we don't realize that, you know, you need to have an okay day. You need to have fun day. You need to have laugh day. You need to like the person that you're with in whatever capacity of relationship that is. And they built that. So they had a perfect foundation of let's draw back to those foundations of joy, peace, and happiness So when we're faced with, okay, guess what, now Thea has MS. Fortunately for them, they had built um, a bank account. They were two professionals that had money to be able to deal with her illness. And as you watch, whenever you have an opportunity to go into um, looking at this documentary, you'll see that they were some of the few that had set aside um, an account to do the unthinkable things as they begin to do. But, you know, the things that we want to talk about tonight are things that set you up for here's the tragedy. How did she feel? She said there was times when I was angry. I became angry. I was sad. I was, you know, felt guilty because the the MS was my fault. Now, mind you, she knew it wasn't really her fault, but that, for lack of a better word, she felt like it was her fault and that she was putting her partner in a situation where she always had to be the caregiver. The difference is they learn to balance out their tragedy with life, and their life prior to this tragedy was filled with dancing. That was their thing. They love to dance, and they love to be able to go and do and be a part. So you still have to balance out anything that goes on with you with every day, the new normal of living for you. The other thing is, and you know this show, hello, love, life, sex, what did they say? These 80-year-old people, one is in a wheelchair, said to America and the world that you have to still maintain a sexual life. You still have to have sex. You still have to have ways and creative ways, and that's one of the things that they say. We may not be able to get on top of each other, but if we had to, we have an A, put us right on top of each other and get it in. 
all I'm saying. But um, they said, you know, because of her disability, she could no longer allow the weight of that, but they came up with creative ways to still have sex, still have intimacy. So it's really important that you maintain that in life. And then the other thing was um, their thing on the refrigerator, and I love this and I wrote it down because, you know, I did the first show on bipolar and I forget stuff. But nevertheless, they have on this on their refrigerator, which I want to now post on my right up beside Mandela and Zoe McKenzie Mandela's picture, that says, don't postpone joy. Don't postpone joy. Do y'all need me to say it one more time? Because some of y'all might have been doing something. Stop what you're doing. Let's all say it together. Don't postpone joy. You never know where the tragedy is coming. When it comes, how you deal with it, how you maintain life, really is going to be about what joy can you put in the moment because you only have that one moment. You don't have tomorrow. You don't have yesterday anymore. It's gone already. So you only have the moment. So what joy can you bring in the moment in the middle of the tragedy because that's going to make the tragedy not be called tragedy anymore. It's actually going to be called living life in the moment full of joy. How about that? Okay, so having said all of that preaching, teaching moment, I am now going to bring on our next guest. So kudos and high fives and thanks for Edie and Thea's story. I really appreciate them being a a guest on our show, although they didn't have a clue. At some point I do hope to have <laughs> I hope to have Edie on the show to talk about everything. I'm decreeing all of the things that I want in life. It shall be. So we're gonna look forward to her coming on the show at some point. But I wanna bring on my next guest now. It's so funny. And I'll tell you a brief story right before she comes on. I met her a few years back. This is a gorgeous, absolutely just fall over your feet, kind of tongue-tied kind of gorgeous person. And I met her out, and she was just beautiful. She has the most, okay, um, taking some kind of drug eyes. When she looks at you, you just kind of float and can't even function. Um, And I met her out, and... She was just amazing and just flirty and fun, and we were actually doing an Edie and Thea dancing and having a great time. And I remember running as far and as fast as I could because I was like, she's going to get me. (laughs) And it it was just really a really fun time and didn't see her for a very long time. I moved out of state and you know, just a couple of other things that happened in my own life. And then last year, I believe it was, kind of heard her story, which she's going to come on and tell you about, and then found her blog, which she's also going to talk about. And you know what? It's just amazing how the universe will bring you people, either for the first time or reconnect you to the people that you needed to be connected with anyways for the right moment at the right time. So I want to bring on Michelle Alexander. Hi, Michelle. I'm good. Hang on a second. Hang on. We're talking, but we can't hear her. Hold on, hold on, hold on. She's coming in. Can you hear me now? No, I'm still doing the Verizon thing. Hold on. Let's see what our producer's doing over here on the switchboard. Can you hear me now? Not yet. Hold on, hold on. I still can't hear her. Can you hear me now? Hold on, audience. Thank you for being so amazing and and patient. We want to get her on the store because I could just, you know, tell you all about her, but we want to get her in here. So hang on just a second. Can you hear me 
No, but it's okay. Come on over. We'll, we're going to share phones. Okay, so you guys, you guys text in if you can't hear us because I want her in studio and I want her to be heard. So give me a second. I told you guys, you know, I always set it up just in case we have an issue. So hold on. Okay, Michelle, come on over. All right, here I am. Hi, Michelle's on the show. Hey, Jazzy, how are you? I want to say. Oh, go ahead. No, let me just let me just ask real quick, producer. Can you hear us? You can. Okay, we're she's good? shaking her head. If we had a video, this would be the most funniest thing. I love you. So, what I wanted to say is what I said prior. Uh, Michelle has an awesome blog that she's going to tell you all about, and she's going to kind of just give you a synopsis of what her tragedy is, was, how she's overcome it, and things that, um, well, she's just a phenomenal person. So she's just going to get off of my phone, producer person. <laughs> I love technical difficulties. <laughs> I don't love it. It just takes for an interesting show. Build character. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, like I said, I'm going to let her talk because, you know, I will do so much of it because I can do that. So, Michelle, hi. Tell us all about Hey, Jazzy. I just want to say thank you so much for having me on your show. Aww. When you contacted me a couple of weeks ago and wanted to talk, I know we had a couple of scheduling conflicts, but we finally connected, and yeah. um, I got to understand really what you're doing. And I love this message because I think that um, – you know, to give somebody an opportunity to talk about a situation that literally in the blink of an eye changed my life. Yeah. It changed a lot of lives. Yeah. Um, it changed the life of the families affected. It changed the lives of a lot of people in our community also. Yeah. Um, but first I want to say, you know, Jazzy was telling the story about when we met, and it was the funniest thing because I had seen her at a couple of different events, and each time all we did was dance. I would find her, and we would dance, and then the last time I saw her, I kind of went my way, and actually that was the night that I met met um, an ex of mine that that very right, same night. So after we right. got done dancing, I was kind of hemmed up with her, and then you were doing your thing, and then we kind of never saw each other again until a couple weeks ago. Right. So um, I was kind of kind of excited that that you contacted me, and then when I realized who you were, I was like, wait, you're my dancing buddy. I, <laughs> I said Michelle. I said Michelle. I have a picture of us. Let me just tell you guys. I have like. All, if you can see this place, it's hilarious. I have ancient computers. I have broken computers. So I'm looking for this picture of us <laughs> on, like, three different computers, five different emails, and I finally, <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, I found it. So I sent it to her, and she was like, when I first said, Michelle, I have a picture of us together, she was like, really? I was like, yeah, it's old. So when I sent it to her, she was like, oh, my God, this is you. I remember what happened. But so we went into this whole ha-ha-he-he. So, right, right. But it's a great picture. I'm actually going to post it. It's so cute of us. It is. I had longer hair then. I was yeah, wearing, I like, the best dress ever. <laughs> it was. That's the only reason I knew remember the night, because I remember that dress. I was, I was, I was, you I was were hot. hot. I was hot that I'm night. Guys, I'm still <laughs> telling you, she was fabulous. <laughs> So I guess, you know, I, I guess where I probably want to start is kind of way back before um, tragedy hit me last year. Okay. You know, I think that I was um, I was raised with the understanding that change happens in life right. and that you have one choice, either to succumb to it or overcome it. Wow. You really only have those, or you yeah. have one of those two yeah. choices. Yeah. And I learned really early on in my life to learn to ebb and flow and change and understand that it happens in life and that you're either going to rise or you're going to sink. And I made a decision a long time ago in my life that I was going to rise no matter what. You go, girl. High five right well, now. Well, you know, I have one life to live. 
that's it. And if I don't live it right, then, you know, I have to answer to my spirit in the next life or in the next, you know, journey of my spirit and say, hey, you didn't do everything you were supposed to do. Right. So I made it um, just my life's mission to really live life to the fullest. So, you know, tragedy was nothing new. I came from a very broken home, you know, absent father, drug-addicted mother, in and out of foster homes and trying to navigate that whole situation when I was younger. And so it kind of set me up for this notion that life always changes. Right. And... um I was going along like life was good. I had a great career going. Um, you know, my children at this point are grown. I've got grandbabies on the way. High five. They're the greatest. Right? I actually have one coming any minute because um, my son and his um, girlfriend, uh, I think we're doing like three days. Oh, my God. Babies drop. Like she's, you know, feeling like she wants to um, give birth now. Give birth now. Mm-hmm. So we're waiting on that. I'm waiting, you know, maybe I'll get a call while I'm here that they're on their way to the to the birthing center. I don't know. Um <laughs> But life was good, um, great career, you know, kids are growing, grandkids coming, I'm happy in life. I'm absolutely madly in love with a woman that I the had The girl been... that you met? No, no, that, no, 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 that relationship was done, yeah. Okay, never mind. Yeah, no, this is actually ah, kind of leading, okay. yeah. <laughs> no, it's, <laughs> it's okay. But that relationship actually taught me a lot about who I was and, and, and how to then operate in my next relationship, which is the one that I'm talking great, about. Great. Because I really learned there to um, learn how to speak my truth and communicate ah. clearly and um, love and live in the moment. Oh, my God. And I can't tell you, when you said, what did you say, joy? Oh, hold on, I wrote yeah. Yeah. See why I wrote it down. Right, I right, right. I was to get. Okay. Don't postpone joy. Don't postpone joy, and that, that really goes to one of the things that um, one of the principles that I live my life by, which is literally live in the moment, mm-hmm. enjoy the moment. Don't mm-hmm. live with expectations mm-hmm. of yourself or other people. And that's not to say don't have standards. Right. The standards are important, but don't live with expectations. Right. And so when I um, I got into this relationship with um, a woman I had been friends with for about four years. Mm-hmm. And the oh, minute... Really you were friends first? We were friends first for four Hi, years. Five. Four years. Yeah. Um, you know, I met her at a time when she was single and I was single. And, um, you know, it just kind of didn't work out that we were going to date at that time. And really, it, I think it's a time we were both interested more in a friendship. Mm-hmm. We connected mm-hmm. instantly. We came from the same background. We had a lot of similar things. And that really fed our friendship for the next four years. Okay. So fast forward um, four years later, mm-hmm. and um, I'm single again, and she's fully single, and we just started hanging out, mm-hmm. and it became a very unexpected love affair. And that's usually how it happens. Right. Like and the was, good ones are like, where'd you come from? Right. You roll over, and you look at them one day, and you're like, is this really you? Yeah. <laughs> Did I just wake up next to you? Right, right. Because a couple of years ago, I would have told you, you know, you're crazy. Stop lying. Right. Like, Stop. <coughs> Excuse me, but it kind of happened that we just we we just rolled into this amazing relationship um, where our communication was great, our bond was great. We literally fell madly in love with each other, um, and it was probably the best relationship of my life. Now I knew that my girlfriend at the time, because we had been um, when. We had been dating about five months, and I knew that she was having some issues in her life, and, mm-hmm. and we all do. We do. Right, we all do. You know, we've all battled um, issues, you know, times of sadness and depression and, and all those kinds of things, and I knew that there was some of that going on, but when she was with me, it was a very kind of joyous experience for her, mm-hmm. and I didn't know that when she went home, it was drastically different, mm. and um, it was back in November. Mm-hmm. Um we had spent the evening together. 
Um, I'd come over, I'd made some dinner. She was um, hanging out with some friends of hers, and I was kind of, you know, laying around watching TV. I went to bed. She came, you know, a little bit later when her her friends left. Mm -hmm. And I knew that something was was off. Um, And I remember laying there and and trying to talk to her, and she was kind of closed down. Mm. Um, But, you know, it wasn't unusual. We had a really good system of, hey, when I need space, give me space. And when you need space, I'm going to give you space. And and, and, and we communicated really well in that. but what I didn't know was that there were secrets and there was pain and there was deep down darkness that existed within her that she shared with nobody, yeah. absolutely yeah. nobody. Yeah. Um, so I wake up the next morning and um, I felt like I had this overwhelming urge to just kind of love on her. And so I literally laid there for an hour with my hands on her, um, rubbing her shoulders, rubbing her back, rubbing mm-hmm. her legs, really just transferring as much positive and good energy, energy that I yeah. could to her because yeah. I felt like there was just something kind of off about her that day. Mm-hmm. And um, I went, I got up, and I went to work. And I didn't know that that was going to be the last time that I saw her. Mm. Um, we had some text messages um, throughout the day. And about 3.16, I still know the time, wow. I get a text message, and she said, I wish I could give you more. And I said, what do you mean? You're perfect. Um, and that was it. So I get off work, I go home, um, I called her, I got no answer. Figuring, okay, well, she's just kind of taking her space. Taking her space. I'm going to give that to her. So I called her about 7, 8 o'clock. I was kind of winding down for the night, and I wanted to, you know, go to bed, and I was kind of tired. And I still hadn't heard from her, which was really unusual. Because you guys had, like, constant I mean, communication. Yeah, you together. We were together. I had peace at her plate. Right. We didn't live together. You right. know, we had been together five months. And we had made the decision that we weren't going to do the typical lesbian well, I was U-Haul. Say, so you didn't do the lesbo, no, let's grab it up and No, it. that's what was great about our relationship is that we chose not to do that stuff. Okay. Um, we chose to have really good boundaries about, you know, our personal finances. We didn't mix finances. We didn't We didn't do any of that. It was very much I had my space and she had her space and then we had our space together. Right. And it was actually really healthy that way. Which is nice because what you're, what you're saying is, is what I've had to learn. Mm-hmm. Beautifully, finally did, not mad at myself at all, but that a relationship is parallel. Mm-hmm. You're on the same road, but just like parallel um, lines, they just travel the road together, but they do it individually. Individually. Yeah. You know, lesbians, and I'm not saying just lesbians, because I think that all people, couples yeah, do people, this. Right. A lot of people do it, period. But we have this, this reputation in our community that mm-hmm. we literally merge lives together. Yeah. And all of a sudden, we've got this conjoined name, and we, mm-hmm. you know, after two weeks, we buy a dog together, right. and, you know, <laughs> somebody's moving out of their apartment with Within seven days, yeah. and you know, yeah. and it's like we can't live without each other. And yeah. I learned, and you know, I'm almost 40 years old, yeah. and you've learned, you know, yeah, and I'll it be just, 46 this year. So, it just yeah. doesn't work, you yeah. know. Has it worked? Sure, you know, I've, I've I've seen people who who it does, but for probably 97% of the couples out there, it yeah. just doesn't work because you have to have that time to get to know each other. Exactly. Now we were lucky because we knew each other, but there were still things about each of our lives that yeah. we didn't that we yeah. still had to learn and how to operate as a couple and do all those things. So we took the, our time. Kind of looking back now, I see that that was, um, I think, her way to protect really what was going on mm-hmm. deep down inside of her. Mm-hmm. You know, and I want to say, I, I want to kind of have a, a, a disclaimer here. Um, what we're about to talk about is in no way ever um, meant to um, disrespect her memory mm-hmm. or disrespect anything that um, she was in this life to her family or anybody else. She was an incredibly dynamic person who left a lot of good behind her. Mm-hmm. Um, but... We have to talk about the darkness, mm-hmm. because if we talk about the darkness, 
then it's no longer dark. Exactly. And what it's is she, no longer the tragedy. It's no longer the yeah. tragedy, and yeah. it's no longer dark. And her depression right. was no longer dark. Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of go back to the day. I, I go to bed for the night, and I'm, um, I get a call from um, one of her family members. Um, but they haven't heard from her, and they're a little concerned. And um, so we start making phone calls, and we start trying to figure out what's going on. Um, I wait around. I'm talking to to family. I'm, I'm we're just trying to figure out what's going on. We're making calls to people that we thought maybe she was hanging out. I mean, we just don't know. Mm-hmm. I get up probably about four o'clock in the morning, and I go over to her house, and I wait there for her. And I am waiting there for the next two days, and she never comes home. Um, and her family and I kind of dealt with this silently for about six days. And then we tried to figure out a plan on what do we do now because now she's missing. And what we were hoping is that she just maybe took a vacation, right. didn't tell anybody because sometimes people do that. Yeah, they just, they just need that walk away. They need that walk leave away. Leave me alone. I need to reach. I need to right. come back to 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 myself. To right. Yeah. It happens. You know, mm-hmm. I'm a Pisces, right? So yeah. Pisces are are, are notorious yeah. for just saying I'm going to shut down for a few days, right. leave me alone. Right. But this was different because there was literally no nothing, nothing. Not no. I'm I'm listen. I'm just taking space. Nothing. And I'll come back to you. Nothing. And so the, the so the last time you heard from her was three sixteen. No, okay. no, no. Oh, okay. it was three sixteen. Okay. No, November um, November nineteenth. And then you didn't hear from her later that night. Nope, I, that was the last communication that I had okay. with her. Okay. So um, what we started to do is kind of devise a plan on what we can do. Um, there were some family matters that needed to be taken care of. Um, there was a child that needed to be well, well, not a child. She was eighteen, but. There still was a child. still a child, yeah. but there was, you know, so we kind of devised this plan to, you know, we had team, my, mm-hmm. you know, my my late girlfriend, and and we had team her daughter, and I don't want to say names, but yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Um. And one of the things that I came up with was I knew that I had a very strong social media circle, mm-hmm. and um, I wanted to try to get the word out because maybe somebody had seen her. Mm-hmm. So with the family's permission, um, I create a flyer, and I shared it on Facebook. Yeah, I was one of those recipients, like, what? Right, like, oh, my God, I know her, you know. And yeah. I and that flyer, when it was all said and done, I think was shared about 5,000 times all mm-hmm. around this country, even into other countries. Mm-hmm. Um, I got phone calls all around the country with yeah. sightings of her and people who thought that they'd seen her. And, um, you know, this went on for about three weeks. Yeah, because, you know, we all have a look-alike. I don't care what part of the right. world, there is somebody that looks right. like you. Right, exactly. Yeah. I got yeah. a picture the other day on my Facebook wall, like, oh, my God, this person totally looks yeah. like you, and they exactly. did. Exactly, exactly. Um, so I, we were having no success. Literally, there was just, it was like as if she vanished off the face of the, of the earth. Mm-hmm. So um, I had two women reach out to me who, to this day, are angels for me, uh, Michelle Daniel, Christina Brown of Between Women, mm-hmm. and they didn't know how to approach me. They didn't know what to say, but what they came with was, we have some resources. Here's what we can offer. How can we help? And what we did was we created a video um, where I explained what had happened, mm-hmm. and we created a website where people could go and become part of the process to help find her. Um, I did the video because, you know, I've been in sales for a long time, and one thing that I understand is to get people emotionally connected to something, they have to see it, they have to feel it, yes. they have to taste it, they have to become yes. a part of it. I'm sitting here, audience, shaking my head. I wish you could see me because I am so like, yes, yes, yes. Right. If you've ever been in sales, you know. You have to it's emotionally connect people. And yes, right. Exactly. And so I needed I needed our entire community to come together to help us find her. And um, so we created the video, we did the website, and I got a lot of flack about that, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um, I can imagine. I, I got some flack about that. And I and I knew it was going to happen, and I just had to kind of roll with it and, and just say it is what it is, and I did everything that I did from my heart because I needed to find 
I need to find her. Yeah. The website that we created um, was basically the description of her, her car, where she was last seen, what she was last wearing, and um, it had an interactive part for um, our Facebook family, our mm-hmm. Twitter family, our Tumblr family, all mm-hmm. that, that, that they could go in and basically put their email address and hit a send button, and it was going to send letters to news media outlets because they were ignoring our yeah. her case. They yeah. were, she, was a, she was a missing person, yeah, and, they and they were ignoring her. Right. And can we just say... Um, for the record, and this is important just from a media standpoint, this has been brought up in media so long. Right. People have kind of really exposed it. Michelle is a fantastically beautiful, uh, I call them vanilla people of lighter color. <laughs> vanilla um, people. You know, Am I vanilla? You're vanilla girl. <laughs> and, um, and her partner at the time was a chocolate person. So having said that, when they go missing. Black women and black Black children, black women, Period. black men, they don't get the attention. I mean, let's just call it what it is. It, I'm not it, one to really mince, it, mince words. No, I'm not. I was coming yes. into that. I just like yes. saying vanilla people. I have vanilla family, so nobody be alarmed or offended. But, but anyway. I'll say it. The yeah. fact is, is that um, media doesn't give uh, missing African Americans attention that at they all. need. Um, as, as much. As much. Not, not ever, but, but they don't give it as much. Yeah, as much. Um, and then um, we felt that the police department in Clayton County wasn't giving um, really any attention to her case at all. She mm-hmm. was just, you know, we were told, you know, adults have the opportunity to get up and, and leave their life. Right. And, and we're trying to say this is not what happened. There's something wrong here. Mm-hmm. And so that day, um, I don't know how many letters were sent, but we launched that Tuesday, which was um, December 5th. Mm-hmm. We launched the website. And by 4 o'clock that afternoon, I think that the Clayton County Police Department had probably got anywhere from 1,500 to 2,000 letters. Mm-hmm. Because let me tell you one thing that I do know about our community. We can talk about each other all we want. All day. We can backstab each other. Okay. We can, we can take each other's girlfriends, sleep with each other's yeah. men. We can do all that kind of stuff. Scandalous. But one thing that I have learned is that when tragedy hits our community, we come together. Always. We, Always. You cannot, you cannot tell me that we don't take care of our own because I've experienced it and I've mm-hmm. witnessed it, not just through that whole process, but what happened yeah. after. Um, so not only did the detective get on the case, but the chief of police got involved mm-hmm. and um, basically, from what I understand, gave a directive down to um, the lead detective, captain, yeah. whatever it all is, and those names, all right. those people, mm-hmm. and um, we started getting phone calls. Yeah. And one of the things that I wanted them to do was to pull her phone records, and we had been for three weeks Mind you, it's now three weeks later we'd asked them to pull her phone records because what we knew is that her phone was ringing when she disappeared for about 24 hours, mm-hmm. and we knew how cell phones work. They ping off a they, tower. Yeah. So, so if you can find out, if you can find out yeah. the tower pings, you can yeah. find out where she is, exactly. or at least where the cell phone was last. And so they pulled the records. Come to find out, her truck had been seen um, about a week and a half before. Wow. Now, here's something that you don't know about missing, missing adults. What happens is they will put what's called a bolo or be on the lookout, mm-hmm. whatever county is the person is reported in, and they will um, basically take that flyer and share it at the you know the staff meeting or the you know the intake meeting for that shift, mm-hmm. and then it probably doesn't get any more attention after that. Exactly. It doesn't go into um, uh, GDOT uh, mm-hmm. or it doesn't go into any database. Um, there's tell, really tell, tell people what GDOT is. Right? GDOT is well, maybe it's not GDOT. It's the um, GBA, GBIS. Yeah. Yeah, Georgia, Georgia, yeah, Bureau. Bureau. GDOT oh. is like the yeah, transportation. Like the, yeah, like the FBI. <laughs> right, of Georgia. Georgia. Right. 
so there's no there's no record of really her disappearance in there because had there been, then they would have seen her her truck. Her tr- well, they did see her truck, but they would have actually maybe gotten out. They would have gotten. They would have right. looked. They, um, you know, would have ran the license plate. We would have found her, and we wouldn't have had to do this huge media campaign yeah. that we did, forcing yeah. people to really look for her. So. They got a hold of the detective that actually saw her truck, and then they were able to pinpoint where she was. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember I was at home with um, one of my best friends because I just needed some company that night. I knew all this stuff was going on, mm-hmm. and she was she was there with me. And about 11 o'clock that night, I get a call from the captain that was working her case, and um, said, "You know, Miss Alexander, are you are you by yourself?" And I said, "No, I've got a friend." And he's like, "Okay, I just want you to let you know we have found her, and she's she's deceased." Mm. Um, fast forward um, what we found out is that she had taken her life and she had been there for about three weeks she, mm. she took her life the day that so the day that she texted you they pinpointed it that well she had been sitting there somewhere around in that time it had to be it had Absolutely. to be right around that time I mean I, I know they did an autopsy and they probably could have pinpointed it but right. I, I think from my records that, that's when that's it happened because I never heard from her again wow. okay so and mind you this is a very sensitive subject um, I, I kind of should have said, if anybody's listening and have children, you may not want to have them there if you're concerned about it, or you may want to have them there um, just so that they can know what to do, should this happen or should they feel that way. Michelle and I, when we first started talking about this, um, you know, we were able to get a lot closer than we ever have been other than, hey, let's dance together. Right. And we had real conversations yeah, about real, real things. Real, real yeah. stuff, real talking. And the beauty, beauty of this is this show is called The Bare Truth. And for me, I was able to say, well, Michelle, let me just share um, my story, my experience with you. And that was that, you know, a few years back, she's, she's on the side of the tragedy that says, I'm still here, and I had to deal with you not being here, not talking to me, not not getting the help that mm-hmm. could have spared your life. Right. I'm on the side that says at one point I was the person who didn't value life. And so I know what that text felt like sending to say, I wish I could be more. Mm-hmm. I wish I could be all of the things that you want. I wish I could be all of the things that I even want to be to myself, but I'm in so much pain that I don't feel like I can go any further. Right. So I was that person. Yeah. You know, so I can tell you very much what she was thinking. Right. I can tell you very much how she was feeling. Right. And when you get to that place where you're so despondent and you're so, it, it, what's hilarious, well, it's not really hilarious, but funny for me to look back ironically now, after coming past that point and after surviving, and I'm so, so grateful that I was able to survive that, but after coming from that point, and I won't share my story because it's not even about me tonight, but um, after coming out of that and looking back, I really didn't want to die. I really didn't. Right. I just didn't want to hurt. Right. And that's really what it's about. I didn't know how to not hurt anymore. Right. And I really wasn't saying let me kill myself to me mentally. I wasn't saying I want to kill myself. I wanted to sleep. Mm. I just thought if I could just sleep and not wake up and feel this pain. Now, Mm -hmm. subsequently, that's killing yourself. Right. But to my mind, it was, I don't want to let you down. I just need to sleep and rest for a very long time. Right. Don't know where that was supposed to wake up, right? But knowing how that felt, so 
I know what she was feeling, so right. I can kind of give you that point. It's not that I want to hurt you. Right. And you're really thinking this is going to make you feel better. Right. That's that's what the person who's trying to take their life is thinking. I'm no longer going to be a burden. I know you want to know all of these feelings that are inside. One, I don't know how to explain them. Right. Or two, I'm tired of trying to explain them. I know you're tired of hearing it. I know you're tired of me to be depressed. I really want to come out of the funk. But we didn't have that experience, but, and that's but the thing about it. That's, yeah. but, you know, ultimately, that's those are the on. things I'm hiding. Right. I, I can't be transparent because then you're really going to know. This is hard work to hide. Right, right. Nobody ever thinks that it's it's hard work, but it's very hard work to hide severe depression. Right. You don't want it because, one, you're too strong, you're too talented, you're too all of these two. Right. And so if you tell somebody the real truth about you, you're going to be judged. So that may, more than anything, may have been because I've dealt with so many people now at this point who have tried to commit suicide who feel the same way. Right. So I can tell you from this point. Now, fast forward. You get this call. Your partner's gone, and you now find out from this phone call. What was that initial feeling? You know, I um, I actually wrote a really long blog or, or article about it and kind of explained that. When I got that phone call, it literally felt like um, somebody had a hand that was on fire, and it reached down in my throat, and it pulled my heart out. Mm-hmm. And my gut was wrenching, and it was the most devastating feeling I've ever had. Um, because, you know, I've dealt with death before. My mom died. You know, right. I've had, I've, I've dealt with that. But when you are planning your life with somebody, and we had talked about, you know, I, I literally have um, 4,000 text messages between her and I that we talked about future plans, and yeah. we talked about yeah. um, all kinds of things, you know. To, to in, in one second, um, realize that none of that's going to happen. Right. Not only is my lover gone, but also my friend is gone. And um, I don't have closure. And, you know, you kind of go into that place like, you know, uh, you know, I'm a cusser. I don't know. But, I, you know, I was Cuss, like, girl, cuss. What? This is a show to bear to. We don't care. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah. Like, where, at what point do, um... Do I even try to make sense of this? Because mm-hmm. you just, I don't know. I had never experienced this. I had never been connected with suicide. I had never understood really what it all meant. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just literally stuck. Mm-hmm. I was stuck for days on my couch. I was stuck yeah. without really knowing who to talk to, what to say. Um, and still kind of in the midst of um, negotiating with family members <laughs> and, and all that kind of stuff about services and mm-hmm. you know and 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 I'm not going to go into details with that but that whole experience was very very traumatic for me. Yeah, um it was not not that it could ever be pleasant but not just traumatic in her death but traumatic in then the after effects. Yeah. Um because you know I'm I'm not going to go into it. Well, but I I can kind of say a couple of things. One you're not married. Not married. So that in alone that in right. itself takes away a large part of what you can and you right. can't do because now you're not married and you're same gender. Right. And we'd only been together five and months. And you've only been together five months. So right. you have no say, you have no thought, and who are you? Y'all have only known each other for a short time. So really you don't matter. Right. And you know, there are other things to play in that as well. Yeah. So um I learned that um 
I had to move into my own healing space um, by myself and with the community that I had created. Yeah. Yeah. And so what I did, and, and, you know, one thing I learned a long time ago um, is that um, we are not an island. You know, mm-hmm. you cannot retreat. You can't. And so um, what I knew was that I had to reach out to people because I knew that if I did retreat, then I would go into a depression and I would um, I would not be living my truth in the sense of my truth being live my life in the best way that I possibly know how. So mm-hmm. I knew that I couldn't just, just sit around and sulk in this. So I reached out to everybody that I knew, everybody that I loved. I reached out to um, my Facebook community. I reached out to anybody who would talk to me because mm-hmm. I knew that I had to talk about this. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I did is um, I began sharing my personal journey on Facebook because I really couldn't face people. I remember having that thought, like her disappearance so public, mm-hmm. um, that video went viral, that website went viral, everything was so public that I just couldn't, I didn't have the strength to walk into a place um, and see strangers. And somebody, oh, I know you, I'm so sorry. Right, I could that. I, that I'm so sorry, thing. And I remember the first time that happened, and I oh. tried to just hold it together. Yeah. But it took me about a month before I would really yeah. leave the house. Yeah. Um, so what I did is I reached out online because I've always had a really good support system online. And I know people say Facebook is this and Facebook is that. You know, Facebook and Twitter and all those things are what you make it. Can you say it just one more yeah. time, please? Facebook is not a bad thing. Oh Facebook and Twitter can be exactly what you make it. And I made it my... My personal community. Mm-hmm. Um, do I know a lot of people personally on Facebook? Absolutely. I, I do know yeah. a lot of a lot of people personally. I have met some of the most amazing souls yeah. and some of my best friends on Facebook. Some people I've never met, and I would call them family. Mm-hmm. Um, because you just, you know, you're you not make a connection. You make that connection. You do. You do. Um, so what I started doing was literally um, I would wake up every single morning with the notion that I had to heal and I had to not move on because I don't think that you ever move on from something like mm-hmm. this, but I think that you move through something like yeah. this. You know, you have to feel every feeling. You have to you think do. every thought. Oh you God. have to own every everything about it. You have to own it. Because mm-hmm. if you don't, it just sits there and it starts mm-hmm. to grow roots and it starts mm-hmm. to make you toxic. And I just knew that that wasn't an option for me. So I would wake up every morning with, okay, what am I dealing with today? What's the thought that I'm having? Mm-hmm. And I would say to myself, okay, if I was coaching, if I was life coaching myself, right. how would I interpret this to myself right. to make it make sense? Mm-hmm. And so I would share that. Mm-hmm. And people would read it and they, oh, thank you. Oh, my God, I can't I believe that, that you're being, yeah. I needed that. I can't yeah. believe you're being so positive. And, and really what they don't know is that was just me working out my own shit. Okay. That was really That's me doing it. that. Yeah. And so um, as time went on, I was able to um, really share that whole process. Mm-hmm. And um, what I gained from that was prayer. Mm-hmm. And support and love and light and people appreciating that I was being vulnerable, mm-hmm. that I was sharing my truth, mm-hmm. that I wasn't hiding, yes. that I was including them in that process. Because what happened, and here's the thing that people don't realize, is that her disappearance was so public in our community that our entire community mourned for her. Yes. Our entire community yes. got involved in finding yes. her, and our entire community needed that closure. Yes. So I think that... As I as I was sharing and as I was kind of going through my own healing process, it gave other people permission to do the same. Mm-hmm. And it gave other people permission to be truthful about their own issues. And I can't tell you how many letters and how many, or not letters because who mails letters anymore. But, but email letters. Email letters, and, text messages, and, yeah. phone calls, yeah. hundreds. Mm-hmm. I had so many I couldn't even respond to all of them. Yeah. Many people were sharing their own personal 
um, issues with suicide. Mm-hmm. Many people are sharing their own personal battles with being on the opposite side, right. like myself, being the right. survivor of suicide. Right. And um, I found such strength in our community, and it, it taught me two lessons. That entire process taught me two lessons. One, and I will live these lessons till the day that I die. Number one is that we do not heal in isolation, but in community. Mm-hmm. We have to surround ourselves. Not, And I don't necessarily mean the gay community or whatever. Whatever your personal community that you've built around yeah. you, that is who you lean on when you're going through a really tough time because right. that is what's going to hold you up. That's going to hold you together. That's going to encourage you. I'm in church. You cannot. It's so true. Yeah, it is. You cannot heal alone mm-hmm. because you're just going to sit there and wither away. Mm-hmm. And no matter how strong you think you are and how much you know positive thought, you can't do it. You just can't. Mm-hmm. And the other lesson that I learned is that what you need the most is what you give away. Say it real slow because they need to hear that. Bam. Mm. That which you need the most is exactly what you give away. Yes. So when I needed healing, I you spoke, I spoke yes. healing. When I needed love, I spoke love. When I needed prayer, I spoke prayer. When I needed light, I spoke light. Because I needed that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's karma. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really is just the law of karma. And that what you need is what you give away. Give it to people and it will come back to you a hundredfold. Oh, my God. So yes. those two lessons, um, once they settled in and I understood what was happening within me and what was happening within our community, I woke up one day and I felt like I'm okay. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that somebody did for me um, so one of the things that somebody did for me was they gave me a journal mm-hmm. immediately. Mm-hmm. And what I did is I wrote letters to her. Yeah. Yes. All day, yes. every day, as much as I could, I wrote letters. Because when somebody takes their life, you don't get closure. Mm-mm. And I needed to have a voice to speak to her about what was going on and about what I felt and about, mm-hmm. you know, how I was healing and what was hurting me. And mm-hmm. when I was really mad at her, you know, because she couldn't come to my Christmas party, I had to tell her those things. Yeah. You know, I had to tell her. I had to tell her yeah. what was going on and I remember it was a gradual I was writing less and less because there was less to tell her Mm -hmm. because I was moving through that healing process Mm -hmm. more and more and you were getting through it and I was getting through it because I was dealing with it head on I wasn't Mm -hmm. avoiding it I wasn't um, I wasn't ignoring it because so many people ignore things as they come up and they're like well I just got to keep moving and I can't And they don't know how the dealing and which is I'm so glad that you were saying you have to feel it you You have have to to experience experience it you have to own it recognize it is for what it is. Right. And, you know, those are feelings that you feel at the moment. Moments change moment to moment right. to moment. Like we were talking, and I've said this um, to so many people. I've had, I've just had so many tragedies in my life. Mm-hmm. And um, coming from dysfunction, right. you oftentimes come into the victim mode right. and things. You draw them, just draw them because you don't even know you're drawing them. Right. Um, but I've had those experiences until I finally came into a higher consciousness and said, you know, life is what it is. It's going to happen, but it's okay. Mm-hmm. You can experience it, but it's how you look at it. It's mm-hmm. how you uh, react to it. It's how you go through it. Right. And because they don't know how to deal with it, they they just, let me jump into something and let me just move on and I don't want to feel it. I don't want to think about it. You have to think about it in order to heal. When my daughter died years ago, mm-hmm. over 20 years ago, I went to work in two weeks because I couldn't sit at the house. I couldn't yeah. smell this little baby smell. I couldn't. Yeah. I could not be in the same room. Right. I couldn't do any of those things because I'm going to lose my mind. Right. It helped and hurt. 
Yeah. I didn't have time to process it. Yeah. Really. Yeah. I didn't have time to really, really deal with it. And so I would go to work, and at the time I was working at a shoe store. So my boss was like, don't come to work. I'm like, I have to. Yeah. I would go out, smile, hi, how are you? What can I bring you? da 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 Mm-hmm. Oh, my God, the next customer would have a baby. Okay, I'll be right back. I'm going to go get your shoes. I would go in the back and fall cry. on the floor. Right, right. Couldn't deal with it. Right. Dry those tears, come back out, here you go, da 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 da. Faking it all the way through. Right. It helped me to be stronger in an area of resilience, but I never dealt with right. it. Right. 20 years later, it comes not, back. Tw- 20, 20 years later, right. I'm watching a movie, having a great time. Life is wonderful. And one thing on triggers it, go- it. And a baby died in a movie. And you're right back there. Sweetie, I dealt with that thing as if it were that same day. And I had to grieve for the first time, really. And I had to deal with it. And it was the first time that I ever looked up her syndrome. As much as I'm a I have my computer right now. Computer guru, let me find it. Let me send you the link. Let me me research this. I never looked up her syndrome. I never dealt with what she dealt with. I just blocked it all out. Thinking I'm strong, thinking I'm, I'm going through it. Because that's what you're supposed to do. That's what you're supposed right. to do. Real women keep it together. Keep we it handle together. it. We keep it moving. And we're going to have a show about that. And you're that's bullshit. Back on the show. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but having to finally face it, deal with it, work with it, work through it, get some help, get some counseling, right. take some drugs, not take some drugs, take some herbs, do some tea, whatever, whatever. it is you meditate, you need to do. journal, <laughs> write the letters, whatever right. you need to do. Right. To get through your tragedy so that your tragedy then becomes a, you know what, I'm going to allow this that happened to be a step for somebody else and mm-hmm. for myself. It's like purpose forward. in that pain. It's a purpose in right. the pain. Right. So then it becomes not painful, not tragedy, but here's the purpose. Right. Right. So I'm excited about that. You've answered all of my questions except. Okay. <laughs> well, we didn't talk about the sex part because there was not sex there. I don't know what she did on her lonely, lonely days. You may want to tell that if you want to. <laughs> if there was no sex, we don't have to talk about sex. I handled it myself. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I do want to find out because this is love, life, sex. So she handled her own sex. We're right. not going to dive into that. We'll do that on another. Um, I'm sure y'all can figure that out. We got another show about that. But, um. What are your favorite flowers? I asked, I sent these questions out to all of my guests. Okay. To tell me their favorite flower of the evening because, you know, we always end the show with a favorite flower. Right. So my favorite flower, and, it, you know, I have two. Um, like, smell-wise, I love the smell of a gardenia because oh it's God. so pungent. Yeah. Like, it just it just takes over your nose, right? Oh my but my probably my ultimate, and, and I don't mean to be so cliche, but I love a beautiful rose. And I love really? a rose. I do because, to me, a rose in full bloom represents a woman in full bloom. Well, I just don't, girl. Right, and so and my journey is to always be my a woman in full bloom, always operate full and open and ready to receive. Mm. So that's probably... You're going to make me cry. Let, let, it, out. let it out, let it out, let it out. I love that. Um, Michelle, on that note... Mm-hmm. You have a blog. Tell them, because we're going to get ready for our next guest, but tell them briefly about your blog, some things. I know you're moving. You're leaving I us. am. I'm moving out of Atlanta. Okay, real quick. So out of all that, um, a couple of years ago I had started um, a, a blog with some other writers mm-hmm. um, who are amazing, by the way. Shout out to all my Girls Guide writers. You guys 
I will not, it would not exist if we didn't have you. It's an awesome blog. Awesome. What I realized is that as uh, my late girlfriend was going through this depression is that that kind of thing happens all the time in our community. And so we just don't talk about it. We sweep yeah. it under the rug. Yeah. And so what I wanted to do was I wanted to create an outlet for um, this regular women like you and I to talk about their own personal struggles so that we can start to bring healing, reconciliation, and dialogue to our community. Mm-hmm. So we talk about things like depression. We talk about things like, um, you know, what is, you know, we have many transgenders in our community. Mm-hmm. Well, what is it like to go through that process? Yeah. How do you navigate being a mom and a queer at the same time? Yeah. You know, how how do you how do you do all this stuff? So we talk about and we write about these kinds of things. And the the amaz- the launch was amazing. We partnered with Between Women, where mm-hmm. you know we provide the blog to their blog, and 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 you know we reciprocate um um you know that fan base, and it's just been amazing. Wow. Um. And so if you have a chance, if you haven't had a chance to check it out. Please go to a girlsguide.org and it's spelled A G U R L Z G U I D E dot org, a girlsguide.org. And every day we have a fresh blog with a you know a different writer. I've got about thirteen writers right now, and we've got some plans to really turn this into um, you know some some major things. And um, so I think that's my wrap. That's my time. And we have I'm our next excited. guest. Yes. I'm excited. Michelle, thank you like a million for coming on the show. Um, guys, please go to a girlsguide.org, um, right? A girlsguide.org, yes. A G U R L Z G U I D E dot org. Thank you, Michelle. Love you much. Thank you, Tazzy. Okay, so I want you guys to go check out Michelle. She has an amazing story. You'll be able to really kind of read a little bit. When, she, when I read her blog, I'm like, I wrote her and said, did you just, like, steal my journal? Because it sounded so much like my own story. But we want to come in now and bring in our second guest. And this is my beloved. This is my, one of my soulmates in life. And a lot of people think soulmate is just a person who you are in a personal, intimate relationship with. First of all, people don't understand the word intimate, so I'm not even going to break that down. I'm just going to say <laughs> in a relationship as partners. But this is my salsa dance partner. This is my friend. This is my brother. This is my beloved. Um, and he is just an amazing person. His name is Jamie Morgan Brown. And his story is just going to move you just as Michelle's did and hopefully just as Edie and Thea's and, and even some of my excerpts of life. So we want to bring him on on the show now. I'm going to ask my producer if she'll bring him in. Jamie, are you with us? Right here. <laughs> I love you, baby. <laughs> I love you more. <laughs> yeah, so, that was a that was a very touching story. That was a very um very inspiring guest you just had. I wish her all Thank the best. Thank you. She is amazing, mm-hmm. Jamie. She's so cute too. Oh my God, it's ridiculous. Wow. Yeah, but wow. anyway, Jamie is. We've known each other, Jamie. Gosh, how long? Since the early late nineties. Yes, somewhere in there. Yeah, yeah, I get somewhere. Mm-hmm. And um, I met Jamie. We salsa dance. We are in love fanatically with salsa dance, and is how we actually met. And Jamie took me under his wing because I was so excited. I had come out of a relationship, and I actually had come out of a relationship with with the bondages of what I couldn't do religiously as well as what I couldn't do as a married woman and what I couldn't do as a mom and all of these what I couldn't do. And I went salsa dancing and was just like floored. 
and wanted to learn it so badly. And Jamie was my first come out and let's dance with me. One of my first. And he is just amazing dancer. So if you ever get a chance to go out with us sometimes, guys, you would just be moved by his soulful movements and dances. So, Jamie, I love you, but I'm not going to talk about that because you know that would be a whole nother show. <laughs> Jamie's story is yes. absolutely amazing, but I want him to tell about himself and then tell about his tragedy and how it's no longer a tragedy. So, Jamie, I'll give you the floor, and I'll just kind of come in every blue moon. Absolutely. Um, first of all, I want to say to Jazzy, um, thank you so much for inviting me to your show. You know, I really, really appreciate being here. Um, a little about me. Um, I moved here from Los Angeles a few years ago. I've been involved in television and film production for many years. And um, I was an actor, a stuntman, a writer. And I found my love and my passion through writing. Went yeah. through a divorce, relocated from Los Angeles to Atlanta. And um, I was very much involved in raising my son. Mm-hmm. And so one day, I went into football practice, and when we got home, I went to the mailbox. Mm-hmm. When I got to the mailbox, I opened the mailbox to get the mail, and in a blink of an eye, no pun intended, I went blind. I lost my eyesight. Mm. So that was one of the most traumatic experiences I've ever encountered so far in my life, being blind, experiencing that whole celegue of having eyesight and just in a bat of an eye, it just goes away. It just literally just disappears. So I went through the challenges of trying to find out what's wrong with me. I had been suffering with allergies. I literally had a headache every single day. Oh, my God, like now, Colin. And I went to the doctor, and I ran all sorts of tests over the years, and they said that I had allergies, severe allergies. Mm -hmm. So I had made the adjustments um, with the medication and all these allergy sort of like things that you can take, and they helped slightly, but they didn't read the problem. I had continued to have headaches maybe every other day. So... um, when I went blind and going through all these changes, what's really going on with me, I realized I was told that I had cancer and that I had developed a rare brain tumor. Wow. And the tumor that I have is usually a tumor that people don't recover from. And they had expected me to be blind for the rest of my life. And they expected me to live two years post-surgery. So here I am five years later healthy, happy, and enjoying every moment in life, I'm now on your show, so I know I really made it now. Oh, my God. I love you. Say it again. <laughs> I'm on your show, so I really made it. I'm good now. Yeah. But that's a little... And, Jamie, you know what? Remember, when all of this was happening with you, I found out in Chicago, so I wasn't here. Now, this audience is coming. Notice I said that Jamie and I went salsa dance. Jamie, what, we danced like three to four, five nights a week at the time. And then I moved out of the state, and I get the call that Jamie's sick. Jamie had to have brain surgery. And I'm like, wait a minute, I was floored, absolutely floored. So, um, you know, the show is, is, is about how it affects relationships in general. Jamie is 
he's downplaying himself. It's ridiculous how modest he sounds. I wish I had more people that would actually call in right now and um, and just talk about Jamie. But I'm hearing your story and even reading, you know, the excerpts of the book um, yeah. that you have written about this, about yeah. how this happened to you. So to hear you say how it happened and, and that you went blind and, and, you know, just some of the the slower progressions of it, it's just amazing that you are here still able to talk. So, you know, continue. I'm I'm going to interrupt you here and there, but I'm just, I'm excited that you're here too. Well, you know, so I had been asked when I was sick to write a book. And, of mm-hmm. course, being a writer, that was the farthest thing from my mind because at that time I really just wanted to heal. Right. And people don't realize that when you go through adversity, you know, it until it hits home, you really can internalize it. You can hear it. You can understand it. You can intellectualize about it. You can give your opinion and a philosophy in terms of what you should or should not do. But to feel it, to live it, is something that comes with going through that pain. So I had to heal, but I always felt that there was something inside that I needed to share with people because when I changed my diet, someone approached me and said, listen, you have cancer, so remember something. Cancer can't live in an alkaline environment. That's the law. So when he told me that, you know, the first thing I needed to do was alkaline. How do I do this? And once I got involved in the practice of trying to heal myself, I realized that I would go to the doctor to get my radiation and my chemo treatments, and they said, Mr. Brown, there are no chemo, no radiation needed because we have not found anything in your system. So they're using me today for medical research because they're wondering, why am I still here? Why do I have my eyesight? Why haven't I had any seizures? When you have your skull cut open, you're supposed to be on brain medication for at least a year, minimum. Yeah. And they took me off all medication in 90 days. So they're wondering, what did I do for this to happen? So Okay, wait, wait, Jamie. Because yeah. okay, I think you have some mouths hanging on the floor. See, I told you all, Jamie is downplaying this whole thing. He's still just Mr. Modest. Okay, Jamie. I love you too. <laughs> yeah. You you are saying to us you had yeah. cancer. Yeah. You had brain surgery. You're not even supposed to be living. Yeah. And you begin the self process of how do I heal myself? Yeah. And what you're saying to us, I need to be very clear, guys. What Jamie is saying to us is that you begin to eat differently. Yeah. Right. You be, and 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 explain to us because I I know it, but a lot of people sure. don't know it. You know when we're talking about drink alkaline water and sure. and all of these d- different things that you know people want sure. us to do not do. You sure. cancer couldn't live in what state? Break it down no, just a little bit absolutely. so that the people absolutely. can understand. Okay. The law, which is the law that the medical profession even um, supports. Cancer cannot survive in an alkaline environment. Our body is made up of acid and alkaline. Zero to seven is acid. Seven to 14, zero to six is acid. Seven to 14 is alkaline. So the foods that we eat, regardless of what food it is, all foods leave a filter, and that filter can be digested as acid. So the key is 
to make sure that your body stays alkaline. And that's only going to come through the foods that you intake. So once I was told that if I alkaline, this cancer is going to go away, the next thing was to do research, find out what foods contain alkaline. And my book, I don't preach in my book. I'm wondering why is my book doing so well? It's resonating all over the place. Actually, let me just say so we can all pray for me. But my book is on its way to Oprah to see if it's going to make the Oprah book club. Um, but the book is really resonating everywhere. And so the thing is, is that when you change your diet mm-hmm. and you ingest foods that are nutritionally rich and sound, then those foods are going to do something. They're going to do what they are intended to do. People don't realize the foods that we eat. We eat because we enjoy the taste. Well, the reason why we need to start eating is to live, is to give life, is to sustain life. It's great if we can eat foods that taste good as well, but the most important function of food is to give life. So sometimes we have to learn to eat foods that don't taste well, that don't meet all taste buds, but we know it's serving a purpose. So I try to tell people in the book, without preaching, my book is not for the vegan, it's not for the vegetarian, even though there's information that can help, but my book is for those who want to get healthy but don't know how or where to start. It's for them. And I realize that a lot of us, we've been taught how to eat foods without questioning the foods that we've been taught to eat just because they taste good. So going back to alkalining, what I took were foods that were high in alkalinity, Mm -hmm. mainly greens. And in short, it's a plant-based diet. And people think that when you become a vegan or you're eating plant-based foods, your food source is limited and or they, they don't taste good. Well, actually, when you eat foods that you should be eating, and when you change to become a vegan or vegetarian, it's not that you're stopping the food that you eat. You're taking those foods that you like to eat, and you're eating them. You're eating those foods at a higher nutritional value. In other words, if you like hamburger, well, I teach people how to make nut meat. Right. I'll say that again. If you like hamburger, I teach people how to make nut meat, or you can go to a raw restaurant and just ask for nut meat. Nut meat tastes just like chicken, turkey, whatever you want it to taste like. Food is based on the seasoning. So now I'm eating meat, and it's not containing any of the chemicals, the poisons that come with eating uh, animal animal flesh, and you are putting nutritional food inside of you, and it tastes like the foods that you've always been eating all your life. So it's not as hard. It's not as difficult as it may sound. The problem is we don't take responsibility for our health. We want to place our health in our doctor's hands. So once you do that, you're saying, I now give you control over my life, and you cannot do that. You have to be your own doctor. Now, I'm not negating doctors. I'm not saying anything negative about doctors. What I am saying is that we come to a space in our lives where if we're not healthy, we have to do a little bit more in terms of getting healthy without relying on other folks. Because I know people who have gone to doctors, and if they're doctors that are listening, I'm not attacking you because we need to learn to work together. We need doctors. But I know people who have gone to doctors because they were told they had cancer and have flown to other countries and were told they didn't have cancer. 
I know doctors who have told patients that you need a heart transplant, but what they really were saying is, I need you to help me finance this new house or this lucrative deal that I'm working on. So we don't know what the motivation is when we go to the doctor. And most most of the times, we all have good doctors. But if you have a doctor, I always suggest when something is ailing you, to really have a sit-down with your doctor and ask questions. Don't Mm -hmm. just leave it up to the doctor. You become more involved in your own health. So that's what my book is about. It's telling you that your health is a God-given right, and most of all, it's your responsibility. Oh, my God, that is so, so, so true. I think most people, you know, myself included, long before, you know, Jamie, you and I have talked about all of my Mm -hmm. um, places in life, and I remember Mm -hmm. when you were first going through this transition of healing and you were changing, and you've always been a conscious person, so it it wasn't that you were not conscious, but you've gone into a higher consciousness about how to be healthy. Um, But even then, and I listened to some of it, and and some of it I did, and it's ridiculous. I'm eating cookies every day. It's ridiculous. But anyway, um, you began to share with me things that of, of how important it is what we eat in order for our bodies to feel better. And then, you know, you begin to do this journey of writing um, just about the things that you begin to live and experience. And I think that's the most important thing is that your book is about your life journey and it's about how you really, truly used what you learned and and those that were your mentors and teachers, you applied it. Whereas most of us will hear a few things, you know, show is a it's it's a wonderful show. I love it. But I also know that even in my journey and and things that they were telling me, remember when I first was like, well, I'm on this medication for this and I'm on that medication for this, it did not work for me. And I had to sit back and learn to search and research and study and find what was going to be best for me naturally. Yes. Those natural expressions I was able to find something that stabilized me out. So I totally agree when you say you have to take it into your own hands and make, you know, your your research has to be equally as important as, as doctor's research. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and tell us the name of your book, honey. My book is called I Ate My Way Back to Health, So Can You. I love it. Say it again. I ate my way back to health. So can you. And let me just plug it. I just received five stars on Amazon last night. High so five. Really, really so we can get yeah. it on Amazon. Where would you like people to um, go to find you? I know you have a website, so I know you want them right. to go to you first. My website, sure. My website is www.jmorganbrown.com. That's the letter J, Morgan Brown. Dot com. That's my website. And you can also get it on Amazon and Kindle. And they're able, I know on Amazon, they have, I know the way I first, you know, when you first told me about the book and I was able yeah. to look, because I was so proud, like, look at my brother on Amazon. He is <laughs> a big boy. He is on Amazon. Um, but you can actually flip through a couple of the first pages and mm-hmm. get a few um you know, a few tidbits of information. Now, who did your forward? My forward was done by Dr. I mean, yes, Dr. Miles Monroe, who was a very um, well-known, uh, decorated Christian minister in oh the Bahamas. God. 
He is just woo, fantastic. Yeah. Yes. And so he wrote the forward. Now, I was wondering, why does my book do so well amongst the churches? So I'm guessing it's because of Dr. Miles Monroe. I'm going to think you need to just know that as a factual statement, that that's like saying, um, you know, I'm not going to name any of the bigger other big ministers (laughs) in the churches, but, yeah, that's like you went to Duke University and got a forward. (laughs) Yes, he has a global leadership conference coming up. In November, and, you know, we have people like T.D. Jakes and Creflo Dollar. They'll be going out to his uh, function in November, and I'll be speaking out there to 30,000 members. Yes, that's in November. I'm very excited about that. Look at my Jamie. Oh, my gosh. I'm trying to heal people, you know. I'm trying to heal. Wherever the people are, I'm trying to heal people. So I hope that people. Awesome. Mm -hmm. I hope that people, you know, uh, purchase the book. And I'm not selling you anything. What I am selling is an opportunity to get healthy. There's a lot of information there that will help absolutely anyone. And just just don't think it applies to someone with cancer because yeah. I was very clear when I wrote the book. It applies to any d- disease that the body has. Right, Both right. Contain- that's an important thing. I and mean, I think that's really a good way that you, you plugged it and talked about it, period, is that if your body is in a certain state, you need to do this and, you know, buy the book and it will point out a lot more of what this is. But there Absolutely. are certain life changes that you have to make in order to have a body that is more at ease. I mean, even yeah. Michelle was talking about, first of all, you have to recognize um, your experiences for what they are. You live in that moment. You didn't run from where you were. You didn't run from what they were saying. You faced it. You yes. dealt it. Um, but, Jamie, just l- let me ask you, and I know we kind of sure. we kind of went full circle, but what was your My initial... favorite flower? <laughs> you going to ask me about my favorite flower? Of course I'm going to. Yes, go ahead and tell us your flower. Go ahead. <laughs> That's the last question. Like, what is my favorite flower? Um, you know, the interesting thing is the young lady who spoke prior to me, she uh-huh. took the word right out of my mouth. I love gardenias. I love that uh-huh. that that aura, that scent. That fragrance, that that it just makes me feel so in tune with with life at that very yeah. moment. It, it's it's yeah. a dream. It's, I love it. Oh, Jamie, I don't want to ask you nothing else. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> at the time, at the time, because you told us your flower, and I do love that. Yeah. The gardenia smells amazing. Yeah, um, exactly. At the time, were you in a relationship or? Um, um, if, in a relationship, how did the person that you were in a relationship, how how did it affect them? How did they handle it? And if you were not in a relationship other than yourself, how did your family deal with it? Sure. I think you've been doing some research. Yes, I was in a relationship and my girlfriend left me because she thought I was going to die. Oh, my God. Yes. And and hopefully you don't have any more questions about that. But anyway, I'm not no, have any I, I was I, I was in a relationship. After that, and go beat up somebody. No, I'm kidding. Go ahead. No, I was in a relationship um, with the woman, and um, members of her congregation felt that I wasn't someone that she should be really um, connected to at that time. But you have to remember, I you know I was freelancing for ABC, CBS, NBC as a producer, and everybody yeah. fired me. Everybody thought that I was taboo. Yeah, yeah. Everybody walked away. So, um, 
But at that time, it really didn't bother me because I knew I was in the biggest fight of my life, and that was for my life. So that superseded absolutely anything and everything. So it didn't bother me. It was very hurtful, but I let that go. When you go through something traumatic, you have to really make some serious decisions on the spot. You can't even ponder it because your mind will just drift away. But your spirit just really digs in, and you have to listen to your spirit. And your spirit will guide you. Your spirit will guide you. So my family was very um, supportive. Thank you. My mother, my sister, were my nurses around the clock 24-7. My sister left her husband, moved here to take care of me for, for, for 90 days. My mother sold her home, moved in with me here to take care of me. So I had 24-7 nurse service around the clock, and they just gave me the love. You know, when you're going through traumatic experiences, believe it or not, love yes. conquers all. Oh, my God. It really, really, really does. So you I know, had a it, lot of love. Mm-hmm. Say that in a cliche kind of way. But, you know, a lot of times people will see me post because the yeah. song will just come to me out of nowhere. When nothing else could help, when nothing else could help me, love lifted me. And it is so true when you're going through a healing process of anything, of any kind of loss, pain, tragedy, illness, whatever it is, pain is pain. It does not matter the, the gravity of the pain. It's just pain. Yeah. When yeah. nothing else can help you, all you need is just a little love. Just a little love goes such a long way. So I'm so, so happy to hear that in my absence, of course, that you had all of these fantastic people um, that supported you because a lot of times people don't have family. Y'all hear all the um, fire trucks in the background don't mm-hmm. be alarmed. <laughs> It's not the studio. <laughs> um, so this is a real show. It's live, so you may pick up the But um, when nothing else can help, love will always lift you. And it's so important that you have that that um, support group because a lot of people face some of these things we talked about tonight. They face them alone. And, wow. And they feel alone. And like we were saying, you know, even in Michelle's story and even my own personal story, when you feel that aloneness, you do yeah. not feel like you have an option. Absolutely. And if you don't feel like you have an option, a couple of things happen. You sink into a deep depression and you don't come out of it relatively easily. You stay there and your life is just miserable and or you commit suicide. Those are usually the two that happen. You just live a miserable life or you don't want to live the life at all. So for you to have a system to bring help bring you back and then for you to take into your own hands and say, I'm going to work with my doctors, but I'm also going to take authority over what's yours and that's your mind yeah. and your body. Absolutely, absolutely. I will say to people, you know, we all go through adversity, mm-hmm. you know, but run your troubles in sand, but carve your blessings in stone. Oh, my you God. Know. I love it. Time is the only thing that never gets tired of running is time. And in time, all of your wounds will heal. But love, you know, and, 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 and just a great support system will take you through anything. Oh, Jamie, I love you. Now, okay, really quickly, my producer's like, what's his website again? What's his Twitter? What's his area? So give us all of your stuff because I, I want people it. to be able to definitely get in touch with you, support sure. you with sales and everything. Sure. Um, producer, 
uh, Sunny is over here sending you kisses and hugs and love. <laughs> hey, <Jerry>. Sunny. <laughs> you two of my favorite people. I love both of y'all. Anyway, um, my website, again, is the letter J, Morgan, like Morgan Freeman, jmorganbrown.com. And if you want to write to me, you can always take my email address, which is Steel Pulse, like the reggae group for those who know Steel Pulse, S-T-E-E-L, Pulse, P-U-L-S-E, the number two, at yahoo.com. Twitter, believe it or not, I'm on Twitter. I've never used it yet. So I'm on Twitter, but I've never used it yet. I'm just getting into the social media now with this book. I have a Twitter page, but I don't know what it is. I think it's Jay Morgan. Okay, you got one, baby. We're going to work together on our Twitter channel. Yes, absolutely. I'm just getting into the social media. But for all those listening, just thank you, and I hope that you've learned something. And I'm here for each and every one of you. I love you all to life. Oh, Jamie, we love you back. Um, definitely I need to get back into the uh, salsa, salsa crowd because I picked up some cookie weight, and I need to sit down and read your recipes and all of that yeah. kind of stuff. Absolutely. They're laughing at me like I can't even believe you said that. This is my show, people. I can say that. So, um, but but anyway, Jamie, thank you so much. I know you're a busy, busy guy. Jamie takes out time when he's not all over the world doing the most amazing things for so many causes. Please get in touch with him because really he is so connected with so many things. Jamie, quickly before you go, what is the program, the Well program? Remember. Yes, um, I'm a member of the World Pro, Wellbeing Program. I'm glad you brought that up very quickly if I can plug. I'm a member of the World yeah, Being Program. And what we do, we build water wells to desolate parts of Africa. And we just built a well in Kenya in the village that never seen water. They would have to walk four miles to the closest water supply and four miles back. And these are women in the village from 80 down to 12. So we just put a well in there that's doing very well. Our next mission is to build another well, probably in Angola. We're looking at Angola. And also we have another mission. We want to save the black rhino from extinction in Uganda. So we're looking at those two missions now. And also I am doing a fundraiser. It's called Dancing to Heal. And it's going to be a night of salsa. Um, and that's coming up in three weeks. I can give you more information if you just stay in touch with me, either through my email or my website. Fantastic. So I want to see everybody there. And if you know anyone who's suffering with any type of dis-ease to the body, we want them to come and dance tonight to get healthy through salsa. Oh, my so God. Okay, coming. so you know I'm going to have that um, yeah. on our site. It'll be on loudmouthradio.com. Yeah. Um, you can always find information there. It'll also be on my Facebook yeah. Um, if you need any more information, guys, if you're on Facebook, you can definitely hit me up or you can definitely go to the show. Yeah. But we'll we'll post it and repost it. Um, Michelle has Girl Guide, so I'm sure she'll tap in with you and, and connect there. But I always want to be a part of anything that you do. Absolutely. Yes. I love you so much. And you, people can more than welcome to be a part of the Wellbeing Foundation. I want so, to. I want to no. be a part of that. Well, I'm here. I'm available. Let's help the world. Let's help yeah. as many people as we can all over the earth. Love you, Jamie. Thank you, Love baby. You Thank you so much, and I'll talk to you all soon. Okay. Bye, darling. Bye-bye, everybody. My God. 
what absolutely amazing guest I've had on this show. Um, we did have another guest that was supposed to be here. Actually, Quentin um, was supposed to be on the show who came up with the whole name of the show in the blink of an eye. And like Jamie, he went to bed one night. He went to the store. This is kind of his touch basis. Went to the store um, August 1st, came home, went to bed, woke up August 2nd, and he was blind. So, uh, again, like Jamie, his story is spectacular. We're going to actually have him on another show um, very soon, I believe in a few weeks, um, about extraordinary people doing extraordinary things under certain circumstances. But we'll keep you posted on that. He's an amazing person. He actually has me thinking about a book that I want to entitle, A Blind Man Knew My Name. Isn't that fabulous? If anybody takes it, you automatically know you stole it because I know you didn't think about it because the blind man did not know your name. It was me. So I was just amazed at meeting him. He's beautiful inside and out. So I definitely want to give him kudos. He's out enjoying his partner's birthday tonight, so he wasn't able to to join us. But I definitely wanted to give him props because it was really his idea in the blink of an eye. Um and I wanted to just let you know he will be on the show in a few weeks, but I'll, I'll touch bases with everybody and let you know. So tonight, as always, we've had really great topics. I love this show. Just let me tell you, I am finally walking my path, um, just loving my journey. It is the first time in life that I've loved me for real and not just made the, oh, girl, I love myself knowing I didn't. So this is my first time loving me and loving what I do. I'm not making the money that I used to make. I'm not traveling the way that I used to travel. I'm not doing a lot of things that I used to do. But I'm doing so much more and living a life more fuller than I ever have. So, you know, for those of you that think I have all of this wonderful money, and I do have it. It's just not physically appearing at this particular second. But you know what? As we stated, moment by moment, life changes. And in the blink of an eye, my circumstances that were so tragic this second may not be as tragic the next second. For one, I'm looking at life in a whole different way. So I encourage all of you that may be listening, that may be in your tragedy right now, many of you have lost loved ones and in some just horrific ways and you're dealing with that on a daily, daily basis, trying to find normal. Find your new normal. Reach out to one thing. I remember having to tell this to somebody recently. Focus on one thing, just one, not 20, not 25, not three, just one thing that can bring you joy for that moment. Focus on it again the next moment and the next moment, and after a while you've gone through five minutes, and then you've gotten through 15, an hour, and a day. And it begins there. It begins the small seed of the one thing that you can focus on that will get you through that moment. If you cannot get through that moment within by yourself, please do not be the island alone like Michelle said. Don't be that island alone. Be like Jamie said. Get a support system. Mama and them. Find somebody. If it's not a person that's within your family, make a family. Reach out to somebody, whether it be a stranger on a, 
a suicide hotline or a doctor or a therapist or somebody that can help you to walk your truth and to deal with the pain. You don't want to get rid of you. You want to get rid of the pain, so address the pain. You can never address it if you don't face it. As long as you run from the pain, the pain runs after you. Okay, so just in my inspirational vitamin of words for the evening. So let me share with you the flower of the week. That would actually be a lavender. Um, and it really doesn't grow just one, so I have to say like a lavender bush or a lavender tree or a lavender. Um, and I absolutely love, super, super love lavender. I walk around with um my lavender spray, I get it from Whole Foods, one of my favorite stores. There's a, a lavender spray that I get that's like an aromatherapy. You can use it in the air. You can use it on your skin. So I do my lavender shots, and I walk around my office saying, you know, when we have a stressful moment, I just start spraying lavender, saying, okay, everybody have a moment. Breathe. Breathe in the lavender. Breathe in the feeling. And lavender, vanillas, and a lot of different scents, give you an emotion. And this is why for the first time on the show, I asked the guests what was their favorite flower and why. And they so graciously, even Jamie's so funny, it's like, you're going to ask me my favorite flower. That was so cute. But what it actually does is it brings you to a space. And the reason why I love flowers so much is because they bring me to a place where they give me peace and they give me joy. And when I don't have all of the materialistic things that, quote, unquote, are supposed to make us so happy, I can reach inward by just looking at a flower, by just inhaling the fragrance of a flower. So lavenders, um, that lavender shot always just makes me so, so happy. I'm going to spray us in a few minutes so we can have that final. We made it through another show. But I'm going to send the the um, link, as I always try to do, to tell you all the benefits of lavender. You actually can eat it. It was used for many, many, many years. Uh, it was used for many years because it's actually an herb, which is so funny. But you can use it to make lavender tea. For a long time, lavenders was used to bathe in. That's why you have it in a lot of your um, soaps and shampoos now. You even have lavender. They used to clean with it. And um, it just gave you that peaceful, refreshing feeling. A lot of um, English gardens have whole beds of, uh, of fields of lavender. I can only imagine I would never get any work done because I would be somewhere high off of lavender and just love and, you know, one of these peace trips. My boss asked me, which is hilarious, she said, are you sure you weren't born <laughs> in the hippie days and walking around with flowers and peace signs and I was like, probably, but anyway, I think those things are important to give you peace and joy and tranquility. So lavender is our flower for the week, and I'm so happy that we have come through this show stronger. We've come through this show more informed, which is always my goal, is to make sure that we're bringing on guests and or topics that are going to make us smarter. It's going to make us, you know, stronger, whole, healthy, and just a better you. So I hope I've done my job. If I haven't, you know, I will be here, God willing, next Tuesday. And we will be talking about embracing other cultures. And we're going to talk about all cultures, just as many as I can put into 
these hours. And thank you again, guys, for always being here, staying with me, texting. We didn't have a whole lot of callers in, but we had some great topics and some great chats and texts. But next week we're going to talk about embracing other cultures. And in each one of those cultures we're going to do what we do every Tuesday and talk about love, life, sex, sex, and um, flowers. Did I stay on sex a little bit too long? Oh, well, go back to the first show and you will always know why that comes out to be a little bit stronger. So anyway, my beloveds, join us again next Tuesday on Loudmouth, that's with two Ds, dot com. Oh, no, no, my don't kill me. Loudmouthradio.com, and you can find out more about our other shows, which we do have shows Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday for right now, but she is adding three more shows. So I'm excited like a mug um, about those. But on Monday nights, we have Roderick Watkins. He does an amazing job with a show called The Universal Mind. And I know last week, no, this week's show, we talked about um, yoga and meditation. And, guys, I did yoga for the first time, like, for real, for real, at a salsa congress where they taught yoga before and after dancing. I just didn't even want to dance anymore. That was major. So it was a really great show. I learned a lot. Then my show comes on, The Bare Truth, Love, Life, Sex, and Flowers, on Tuesday. And then Thursday we have Night Talk Live with J.L. King. So join us on any one of those shows at 8 o'clock. You can archive our shows, I think, after 10 o'clock Eastern. Is it Eastern Standard Time, Michelle? Mm -hmm. I always say Eastern Standard. I don't know what it is. Sometime in the East on this side of the world yes. at 8 o'clock, at eight o'clock p.m. But 10 o'clock, you can archive them. You can go back on Blog Talk Radio at Loudmouth Radio and find our shows. But join us, guys. Tell everybody about it simply because the more people that listen, the more opportunities we will have to get out information that really keep people alive and keep them whole, and that's our job. Good night. We love you, and peace. Thank you for tuning in this evening on the Loudmouth Radio Network. You've been listening to The Bare Truth with Jazzy Jones. We appreciate all our listeners for tuning in. This actual show will be available for download and on demand 24-7 at loudmouthradio.com. That URL again is L-O-U-D-D-M-O-U-T-H radio.com. We also want to tell you that you can actually follow us as well on Facebook. And our Facebook page is facebook.com slash loudmouthonline. And also follow us on Twitter at loudmouth, L-O-U-D-D-M-O-U-T-H. We would like to thank our guest, Jamie Morgan Brown, as well as Michelle Alexander, uh, for providing us a great show along with our host, Ms. Jazzy Jones. Be sure to tune in with us each and every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday as we go live on Loudmouth Radio Network. Thank you and have a blessed evening.